Hi diddly ho preparinos, this is Nat, the preparedness guy, your host of Preparedness Works, the second best preparedness podcast in the world. Preparedness Works is part of the Readiness Lab, the place for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. I cannot thank our network sponsors enough for their incredible support, including L3 Harris, Paladin Biasella, Impulse, and Doberman Emergency Management. They support what we're doing here, so please take a moment to hear about some of our sponsors. Also, a special thanks to all you fantastic individuals who support us by either boosting the signal or by joining our TRL Inside, Insider program on the readinesslab.com slash subscriptions. And thank you to all who support our sponsors. I generally take a different approach to emergency preparedness than what is common. Most people might tell you that if you pick the worst case scenario and prepare for that, then you'll be prepared for other things too. Kind of like the, if you're prepared for zombies, then you're prepared for anything campaign the CDC did way back when. I'm not convinced it's true. And I tell people to focus on their needs rather than the hazards because the hazards are only disasters to the extent that they impact your needs. However, I don't believe in completely ignoring the hazard, just mostly ignoring them. Here's a poem I read in college many years ago that I thought was pretty great. I'll read it and then I'll discuss it. So here's our poetry hour. This is The Ambulance Down in the Valley by Joseph Mullins in 1895. "'Twas a dangerous cliff as they freely confessed." though to walk near its crest was so pleasant. But over its terrible edge there had slipped a duke and many, full many a peasant. So the people said something would have to be done, but their projects did not at all tally. Some said, put a fence round the edge of the cliff, some an ambulance down in the valley. But the cry for the ambulance carried the day, for it spread through the neighboring city. A fence may be useful or not, it is true but each heart became full of pity for those who slipped over the dangerous cliff and the dwellers in highway and alley gave pounds and gave pence, not to put up a fence, but an ambulance down in the valley. For the cliff is all right if you're careful, they said, and if folks even slip and are dropping, it isn't the slipping that hurts them so much as the shock down below when they're stopping. So day after day, as these mishaps occurred, Quick forth were those rescuers Sally to pick up the victims who fell off the cliff with their ambulance down in the valley. Then an old sage remarked, it's a marvel to me that people give far more attention to repairing results than to stopping the cause when they'd much better aim at prevention. Let us stop at its source all this mischief, cried he. Come, neighbors and friends, let us rally. If the cliff we will fence we might almost dispense with the ambulance down in the valley. Oh, he's fantastic, the others rejoined. Dispense with the ambulance? Never. He'd dispense with all charities, too, if he could. No, no, we'll support them forever. Aren't we picking up folks just as fast as they fall? And shall this man dictate to us, shall he? Why should people of sense stop to put up a fence while the ambulance works in the valley? But the sensible few, who are practical too, will not bear with such nonsense much longer. 
They believe that prevention is better than cure, and their party will soon be the stronger. Encourage them then with your purse, voice, and pen, and while other philanthropists dally, they will scorn all pretense and put up a stout fence on the cliff that hangs over the valley. Better guide well the young man than reclaim them when old, for the voice of true wisdom is calling. To rescue the fallen is good, but tis best to prevent other people from falling. Better close up the source of temptation and crime than deliver from dungeon or galley. Better put up a strong fence round the top of the cliff than an ambulance down in the valley. When I read this years ago, it was so simple to me. And I mean, obviously, prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Um, this has a lot of applications more than just literal emergency response. And uh, not every hazard is so simple, though some are. If it's preventable, prevent it. I'm 100% in favor of, of prevention here, which I think is, is definitely the way to go if we can. Some things are out of our control, though, uh, so we have to look at the impact. But even though this one seems simple, uh, in the poem we find that someone will find a way to make it complicated, especially if you look at it like a local emergency manager would have to, because once the fence is built, there will still be some soul who ventures beyond the boundary. So is it actually prevention if it doesn't stop everyone? Can you dispense with the ambulance when you build the fence? Do you need the ambulance elsewhere? Do you spend money on both? If you build the fence and keep the ambulance, but the ambulance gets used fewer times this year than last year, does the ambulance's funding get cut? Would they even really build the fence with the knowledge that someone could still get over it and fall? Even one fall would require the ambulance, right? Even though the fence may prevent all but one. So it's just a toss up on, on how those things go in real life. Practically, the poem talked about the arguments that, that would happen, but says to continue driving on for uh, supportive prevention. So cost uh, often comes before impact, unfortunately. It's usually just a dollar amount kind of attributing money to, to people. And those are some of the challenges that uh, an emergency manager might face. And it's not only relating the need to the stakeholders, but also making sure the facts are clearly understood because we fund what we fear. I say it all the time in emergency management. We fund what we fear because we don't fund anything. We receive funding. Uh, so if we're not very clear about what the real risks are and do our, our due diligence on that, uh, then even if something's needed, if people aren't fearing it, then they might cut the funding. So we have to be very clear. Now, it should be simple. It should be whatever will have the greatest impact or what you need the most, right? Uh, but that's all probably a topic for another time and place. You need to similarly prioritize things at home. Hopefully without the politics, uh, you understand the hazards and the two things specific to the hazard you should know and pay attention to are one, what to do to prevent or mitigate the impact, and two, what immediate action you need to take to preserve life and maintain safety. Now, prevention is making sure something doesn't happen in the first place. Mitigation is lessening the impact of something. That could be by reducing its ability to cause harm or it could be increasing your capability to withstand it, 
In the poem, the fence is a great example of mitigation. It makes the fall much less likely. Does it completely prevent it? Nah. There will always be someone dumb enough to climb over, but it sure helps. Uh, for another example, if, you're f if your basement is prone to flooding and you install a sump pump, you've mitigated that flooding. It doesn't mean the flooding won't happen, but it means that if it does, you get the water out of there because it, or before it causes damage to your home. You can also figure out how to make sure uh, that your sump pump keeps running, especially if you lose power. Uh, so all of that goes under mitigation and, and, and your needs, and it's based on a specific hazard. If you clear debris and fire hazards from around your home, you're mitigating against wildfire hazards. Building codes are often take into consideration many hazards, not everything, and you can always build beyond the code and make your home more resilient. Um, our friend George Siegel did a documentary, The Last House Standing. You can find that online uh, that talks about a home in Florida that built beyond code and was the only home on its block or in the area to survive a hurricane. So mitigation is often hazard-specific, and it's definitely important to look at. The other hazard-specific thing to look at was immediate response actions. If a tornado is near, you take shelter in the lowest, most central room you can. That's different than what you would do in an earthquake or a fire in your house. Each of these hazards have specific response action, so that is important to look at and plan for. You can get a free emergency plan for your family from my website, preparednessguy.com. So that's a good place to start. Uh, but knowing what to do and how to do it are very important. We do this with emergency management all the time. When we have to create a plan, we do this whole process. And uh, when you identify the things that you want to be able to accomplish, you can also create a little drill or emergency exercise to test it. This is a cycle we use. You make a plan, make sure you have the right tools and equipment on hand, train to the plan's response actions and how you would use any of the necessary tools or equipment. You do a drill or an exercise to validate the plan and your training, and then you evaluate to determine if your plan or training needs to be improved. You can just do it over and over. So if you update your plan, then you go through the whole process again. Uh, if you update your training, same thing. You have to go through and validate it. Make sure that it is effective, that your plan and your training accomplish the goals of your drills and exercises. That's something that you can do with your own plan in your own home. You can do it on a, a small scale or you can make it as, as big as you want. So understanding the hazard is important, especially so you can do your response planning and mitigation. And the other thing to consider is how that impact how that hazard will impact your basic needs. And that's where I usually talk about preparedness. That's where a lot of preparedness is. It's in your basic needs. If you can provide your basic needs and you know what to do to lessen and respond, lessen the impact of and respond to life-threatening situations, you are well on your way. If you look at it as if your life and safety are basic needs, and of course they are, then mitigation and response planning fall into your needs uh, as well. So this perspective, focusing on your needs, helps you to not get caught up in fear 
or to get too focused on one specific hazard or scenario. Because even if you think you're prepared for zombies, you may not be prepared for a power outage. So stay positive. We all know bad things happen. There's no use worrying yourself about them. There is use in being prepared, though, because everyone has a choice when you have the knowledge that bad things happen sometimes and that your basic needs will be impacted or your life will be disrupted. You can strive to be prepared so you can have the most positive and happy and fulfilled life you can, or you can make the conscious, deliberate choice to be unprepared. If you have the knowledge of reality, there's no in-between, but the choice is yours. Thank you for listening today. I hope we can work together to be better prepared in a positive way because, well, preparedness works. 